0: Well, uh, hello and welcome to Talking Businessly. We don't have our normal intro of Daniel talking because we don't have Daniel with us.
1: We and have- I'm not Daniel Colborne, and this is that call.
0: <laughs> dum dum. That was pretty close, right? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Really good. Um, I This was frantic. I'm like learning how to use Zencaster in real time because Daniel's usually the one who sets it up. Uh, so, slightly confused by the UI, but we made it and we're recording.
1: I see waveforms at the bottom, so I think we're good. I heard the intro music, which is awesome. So I think we're off to the races. Beautiful. I love it. Aaron, how are you? (sighs) I'm doing well. How are you, John Rudolph Drexler? I think I'm good. Uh, It's a slightly frantic week.
0: I, uh, I... Made this whole uh, set behind
1: me to just really
0: emphasize how dramatic things
1: are. Yeah, what here. are you hiding back there? Are you <laughs> yeah, cooking exactly. something up? Because it, it is very prominent that you have boxes behind yeah. your head. Uh, talking businessly, brought to you by Home Depot. <laughs> um, <laughs> Apparently, I hope you're getting paid for this. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, I am. Uh, I started my move this morning. Um, okay, and, I'm doing the main part of my move tomorrow. So moving to a new okay, apartment, are
1: we to, in new space or old space right now. This what is, is my space. At? Yeah.
0: Okay. So this is like now a barren shell of an apartment, you know, with like no life in it. It's everything yeah. in boxes. So I went over to the new place. It's great. I'm very, very excited about it. I think it's a lot more conducive to working at home. So I'm super excited. Uh, but also for the next like 48 hours, life is. A little crazy, but yeah, that's all right.
1: I mean, if you can get an entire move done in 48 hours and have life back to normal, you're a machine. So it's great. That's the hope. Uh, I had some real opportunities for some Marie Kondo,
0: you know, Mm. uh, been, I purged a lot. I had a funny moment where like when I, once I signed the new lease, I was like, I'm going to start packing now and anything I don't need in the next month, I will Mm -hmm. pack. And it like immediately raised an interesting question, which is like, if I don't need this thing for an entire month, do I need this thing? Uh, yep. So I got rid of quite a lot. It was great.
1: Good. Yeah, that's that's the move is to like throw everything away before you move it, because yeah. the temptation is to just uh, I'll figure this out later and pack yeah. it all up and then move it. And you're like, I don't even want any of this stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um So yeah, things have been good.
0: Things that did this is a week where uh, Daniel is, uh, the reason he's not here is because he is uh, in an Airbnb uh, with friend of the show, Chris Morrell, and they are making a very cool event sourcing package. We'll talk a lot more about that on future episodes. But Daniel was basically like, I need to take a week where I am not like thinking about any company problems and I can just make this thing. And I was like, you got it. And it's been pretty smooth without him. I've been working on some like some hard programming problems without him uh, and like not having the easy like just tuple Daniel, you know, Mm -hmm. is has been good because it's made me like fight some demons by myself. Uh, But I think overall pretty good. How are you doing? This
1: is a good this is a good stress test of uh, y'all's OKR of like. I need to randomly be able to take six weeks off and nobody worries about it. Like, whoa, (laughs) hang on there friendo. Yeah, Um, we had a whole dust up about it
0: because uh, Daniel really believed. I didn't understand what he was saying. And I was being like, I was trying to like gently nudge mm -hmm. him towards like, this is not the stress test we need right now. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I agree. A stress test is in order. Also like, this is the first like month of this company's <laughs> yeah, existence. We started this
1: business eight <laughs> minutes ago. I don't think we need to take a stress test right now. Yeah, everything exactly. is a stress test. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, so it's good. I mean, him taking he he the uh, one of the problems we've had. It's not a problem, but just like one of the things that we need to reckon with is that he is a potential blocker on everything because yes. he's like the lead developer. He has the relationship with our existing clients, and so for him to take a week off and for things to go fine is a pretty good omen so far. Uh yeah.
1: so yeah. Good. Well, do you want to do do you want to do the format? What's what's the format? How am I how are great. you feedback? Well, for you, you feedback for me? Yeah, you asked me how I was doing and I that oh, was okay. that was my answer. Uh Oh I, shoot. I th- I thought you were doing niceties there at the beginning. I thought you're like, "Hey, how, no, how are you? How's your father?" No, that was the format. Man. <laughs> no, no, okay, I missed it. But now you can, you're
0: going you're going to get your second chance cuz you only gave me a pretty good. Uh, okay. So you can you can tell me how you're doing for real now.
1: Okay, cool. Um, this is my first time doing the format. How am I doing for real now? Um, for real now, good. Um, I feel very busy right now. Um, work at Planet Scale, where I work, uh, is good. We are ramping up video production at Planet Scale, and a lot of that comes down to me producing videos, which I enjoy doing, but is, of course, a lot of work. Um, We're hiring a video editor, and so that will become less work in the future. So I feel good about that. Um, I feel stressed about the launch of Screencasting.com, which is going to happen on Wednesday the 20th. So whenever you're listening, it is either already happened or about to happen. So I feel stressed about that. Um, How else am I? Also, I am in physical pain. I've got like... um, like carpal tunnely. Oh no. Going on. So, I think that rounds out the the how are you section. Shoot.
0: Um has that been going on for a
1: while? Um yeah, it's been going on for a couple of weeks now. Um there was a time many years ago, a few years ago, where I got just like really bad arthritis pains everywhere and it lasted for about 2 months and then just totally went away. Like I went huh. and saw a dermatologist and they're like, "Yeah, everything seems fine." And it just went away completely interesting they suggested it could be some sort of viral thing um and around that same time my two children had hand foot and mouth and so it was like maybe there was a viral. Oh, interesting and my my presentation of it was arthritis and so i'm wondering if that's the same because like my fingers hurt like my knees hurt my wrists hurt and so I'm hoping it's one of those things where it's like, ah, you're the parent of small children who are sick. And for some reason, you get arthritis when they get sick.
0: But yeah, yeah, not super fun.
1: Yeah,
0: that's tough, man. Well, you have uh, a lot, um, a lot going on. I'm, I've been curious about, like, does Aaron Francis sleep?
1: Uh, uh, yeah, not very much. Um, so these days I'm I was on a get up early you know streak for a while and that has now worked all its way all the way back around to stay up late um and so these days i finish work around 5 30 or 6 and then go do family dinner kids bedtime that sort of stuff and then from about 7 30 to midnight i do other work like non planet scale work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where you're so streaming like, and video. Yeah, that's where I'm recording my own videos or working on screencasting.com or, you know, any of the other things. It's a lot. Boy, isn't it? Sure. Maximum, is. Effort. Maximum effort. Yeah, exactly. Ha- have you hit uh, any walls
0: like any like I can't get out of bed like I Super need to go sleep have. for 12 hours?
1: Yeah, big time yeah i hit i hit many walls m i n i not um numerous but rather mm, small mm-hmm. i hit small walls um and i just i just kind of pull back when that happens and i will you know i will <laughs> sounds crazy take a night off or take two nights off or whatever and just not do anything at all um and there have been projects there have been projects that i've just kind of fully put on the back burner or dropped altogether um and so I feel like I I work very much in ebbs and flows. And sometimes, like right now, I've got a ton of energy. Like, I don't mind staying up late because all the stuff I'm working on, I feel energetic for. But there have been times where it's been like, I can't do a freaking thing besides yeah. planet scale work. And I just have to, like, wait a little bit for it to come back. Sure. Yeah, it makes sense.
0: Yeah. Man. Um, there's something else. Yeah, the hand thing. I thought about that recently, like how precious my hands are. I was having yeah. this thought because I was like, obviously all of my work is <laughs> I don't work with my hands like a <laughs> coal miner, but like right. I do work with my hands. In a very
1: uh, delicate and precious
0: way. Yes. We <laughs> yeah. work with our hands. <laughs> and then like, you know, my, my my main hobby outside of work is that I do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, which would be hmm. there is a guy at Jiu Jitsu who he's like a high schooler who um who only has one hand and he, you know, more power to him. It's an incredible thing to to do. V- extremely difficult. Uh, you know, yeah. and I was thinking about like even writing or uh, playing a video game or whatever. It's like, yeah, boy,
1: hands are scary. Hands are scary. Yeah. So I've got the one wrist guard here and I've got the other wrist guard here for my mousing hand, trying to trying to put some support in place until it goes away. Good. You know, take care of yourself. So, what's the next question? Any feedback for you? I guess these are going to be yeah. harder since we. Yeah. Do you, have, uh, this, do you have any feedback for me? This well, is our gonna, second time speaking. I'll, I'll, I'll ask you for more
0: directed <laughs> feedback later on in the episode, so you can uh, you can punt a little bit if you want. Uh, okay.
1: But uh, um, do you have any feedback for Daniel? I guess is the real question since he's not here and he'll he'll never hear this. Do I have any feedback for
0: Daniel? I don't have. Uh, a ton right now. I appreciate, like, we're the, I can tell you the hard problem that we have right now, which is, I will probably be just like the next episode with him is like, we, uh, we're really dedicated to, I mean, especially just as an early company, but also just who we are. Like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna turn in things that are halfway finished for people. Like we want to deliver. That's like, we're not screwing around on that. Um, and one of our first big clients, we kind of got towards the end of the agreement and we, we bid off kind of like an extra portion, um, that turned out to be pretty hard. Um, Mm. and so like now, and we're not going to like, we're not going to give it back to them half finished. So like, it was kind of our, it was our problem. It wasn't the client's problem. Right. Um, but it led to this situation where uh, this slightly kind of perfect storm where like, I, I am now like hacking away at it. Um, mm. and these are like not profitable hours anymore. Yep. Um, and Daniel's not here to help. And so like my week has been a little bit like, Oh, this can happen. Uh, yeah. if you're not really smart about this. So it wasn't like some terrible mistake. We're not like losing money on it. The client's going to get what they want every Everything's going to be fine, but it was sort of like my first reality check of like, oh, okay. So like, this is what happens if you don't plan super carefully. Um, And I'm sure it'll happen even if you do plan super carefully. So um, I'm kind of like reckoning with that right now. Um, That's what's, that's what's hottest on my mind right now.
1: So what is... this is not a world that I am in. So listening to y'all's call is always really interesting for me. And now I get to ask questions back. So it's even better. So what is like the situation where you, the client comes back and like, let's call it an addendum, you know, scope creep might be another way to say it, but they have this addendum. What do y'all, I guess, what did you do and what will you do in the future to decide like, oh, okay, we can add this to the project or we we can't? It's a good question. So
0: part of this, inevitably comes back to this conversation that Daniel and I have had a lot off the podcast. And I think we're going to mm-hmm. eventually have on the podcast. It's like, there's, there's a lot of ways to price things. Um, but like the two most obvious paths uh, are like, you hire us hourly mm-hmm. and you get what you get. And so if somebody says, we want you to do an extra, do an extra thing, we say, okay, that we think that might take an extra four or six weeks. Just keep us on. You know, pay, mm-hmm. us for, pay us for more hours. It's pretty straightforward. Um, the other path is pricing out just the value of a project. Right. Um, and that the thing that everyone in the agency world says is that the latter of those two is where you really can get margin. Um, mm-hmm. Because if you work really fast, then you can say, um, here's what this project is worth to you, the client. We believe that we can get that done in a reasonable number of hours, which means that there's a lot of profit to be made here. Um, and so in each of those cases, I think if and the first one is like, if somebody said, we want you to do an extra thing, we'll just say, it'll take longer, so you're going to pay us for more hours. Mm-hmm. And the latter, um, we should really kind of say, this should be priced as a separate project in some ways, or like we might need to revisit the original contract um, to account for scope creep here. In this case, it was like, we they had hired us for a fixed number of hours mm. and we basically two months ago thought, okay, we're, we're kind of done with the main thing. What's the next thing we can do because we have more hours to spend here. And we bit off a thing that was a little bit too big. Um, I see. And so then we like did it. We finished our hours and we're like, this thing is not done. We're going to finish it. Bummer. Um, yeah. So that's basically the risk is like pricing out projects is like, if you successfully move fast um there's good profit and it, the problem is projects are very difficult to estimate and so yeah
1: yeah it seems like the value based pricing or whatever is great if you get it right but you can go <laughs> yeah. pretty upside down pretty yeah. quickly if you get whereas it wrong whereas if, if we're just
0: charging hourly it's like it is what it is we'll you right. know we'll, we'll keep going until it's done and we get paid either way so it's kind of like lower margin, less risk for hourly; higher margin, higher risk for value-based. Right. Yeah.
1: Oof, that does not that does not sound easy. So yeah. good good it's luck fun. to y'all.
0: It's a you know, it's I, I'm enjoying just the like experimentation of it and like yeah. just learning as we go. Um, and there's a lot of wise people, especially in the Laravel world. Like there's great agencies, and we're friendly yeah. with them and like. I'm interested to hear how other people do this. Some people say like, "Oh, only ever do value-based." Oh, only mm-hmm. ever do. so. Um, it's interesting. I've heard I've heard other people not in the uh, web development as much, but I've heard other people uh, who run agencies and like marketing and branding and things like that. They're basically like they charge a pretty like low margin hourly thing. That's basically like we're passing the cost of labor onto you, but then there's like a twenty thousand fee that's just like. For working with us, like basically like um, if you're going to have our attention for the next four months, that's going to cost you $20,000. Now, all of the labor that goes into it, we'll just we'll just charge you basically what it costs. That's interesting. Us. Yeah, it's like there's a lot of interesting ways of approaching it, um,
1: but uh, we got to keep on tinkering with it so interesting okay cool i like that well good feedback for daniel daniel yeah listen up we'll talk (laughs) about that next episode (laughs) my feedback for you aaron is that uh you uh well we're
0: all very impressed with you and we really appreciate (laughs) that um well we'll get into more of this in a minute of like what you the, the presence that you have established online is like very good and positive and in my like personal dealings with you um i'm like very happy that it's like it's not a front you know what i mean (laughs) yeah (laughs) like yeah (laughs) we had some like really specific questions for you about like hey how do we do better at twitter and like get our stuff out there and you were like jumped into our slack and were just like super helpful and constructive and detailed and specific and it was like okay Like he is, (laughs) he
1: is doing what he says that he does. And I really appreciate that. That is encouraging uh, to hear. So thank you. Thank you for saying that. I am glad, I am glad that that is um, your read on it because it would be, it would be a disaster if I had this public privately, (laughs) I was some, something else I, one, I don't think I would be able to pull it off because I am like pretty transparent and pretty emotionally vulnerable. And I would feel like this is all going to crash and I'm going to be in shambles. But yeah, yeah, that is, that is good to hear that that is your perception as well. Yeah. Do you have
0: any feedback for me or thunk or anything else before I ask you for some more like specific
1: feedback on things? Um, first piece of feedback is I like your new camera angle. You're looking, (laughs) looking, I know that you're moving out of this like today, but you're looking right at me. That's great. Love that. Um, Noted for my next setup. Yeah, no, I I don't think so. Um, I've noticed and we've talked about some of the different things you're trying on Twitter um, and I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for the experimentation. Um, I think iterating until you find what works for the people you're trying to reach and also what works for the ever-changing uh Twitter algorithm is yeah. is good and you've been you've been quick to try new things, which I think means you'll find it. Cool.
0: Great. Um yeah, it gets into like one of the things I was going to ask about. So last we or last time we did the podcast, we were talking about um mentors and impaneling people. Impaneling people. You were the first person we were like, we want Aaron on the panel. Um, and so, uh, we're very excited to have you helping with this. Cause this is something that Daniel and I are just like not particularly good at. Mm -hmm. Um, and we've realized like, I think part of our goal or part of our strategy is to be just like super transparent about what we're doing. Um, I think when people do, I don't know, content marketing and stuff and it's like not, it's if they're trying to pretend it's one thing when it's another, it feels a little gross and weird. So we've tried to be really just like, look, like we're trying to put out really helpful content to people because we want them to come to us. Ultimately, we want to get clients out of that. Many of the people who see our content will not become clients and that's great. That's no problem at all. But like we're trying to put a lot of really helpful stuff out there because trying to express that that's what kind of the brand of the company is. And we eventually want to, you know, generate clients out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's, we've tried to just be like really upfront about that and joke on here about, you know, like if you're listening to the podcast, you're in the sales funnel, right, um, which is a great like, bit. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's just like, it feels like the only way for us to do this, that doesn't feel backhanded or something. Yeah. Um, so it seems like so far that that's just like going well. Um, but in terms of like format, we're still, we need a lot of help with, we're trying to put that content out on Twitter and out on the podcast. And, um, you know, that's where we've come to you for really tactical questions about like, do we put links and Twitter and do we, uh, what should our images look like and things like that. Um, so, uh, it's, we very much appreciate having a, having someone who's, who's done it really well. Um, I guess like that, I'm interested to hear you talk a little bit about like, so in the spirit of that transparency, we like Daniel and I had a conversation, um, it was actually the first time we did the actual like talking businessly meeting before recording it. And we realized mm-hmm. we should record this. Um, with the thing that I was like really interested in was like, um, you know, Daniel is a really excellent programmer and mm-hmm. can just like put tips out there can like make packages can do stuff out there that like basically tells the world like, Hey, I'm here. I'm being useful. I'm being helpful. I'm really good at this thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's like, super powerful. Um, I am not at that level of programming. Um, And so we had this conversation about I was like, you know, I walked into Laricon and was like, met all these wonderful people um, who were very kind to me. And I was like, what is like, I was felt a little bit of like, what is my angle here? Because like, Mm -hmm. all of them are like, way better programmers than me. And I have like nothing to offer them there, you know? And so Daniel was like, he's like, honestly, like you should like, you should get good at putting out product content because that is like one of the things that's not super present in this kind of little ecosystem yet. Um, and that's what, uh, we, we've learned that like with our clients that having a product angle on what we're kind of selling them is like really powerful, Mm -hmm. Uh, Partly because we will go to especially smaller clients and we're like, we can help with engineering. Obviously, Daniel is can help with architecture consulting, but we also have a product manager here and that can help to clarify a lot of what we're doing. So that's been kind of like the hypothesis uh, is like he was Daniel was basically like he had watched like what you did <laughs> over the last couple of <laughs> years. It was like he was like, there's a way to like do this to like, mm-hmm. you know, like put really helpful stuff out there and become what he calls a pillar of the community, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And in some ways like that was, that was what what we wanted to do with a lot of this content. So I'm interested partly to like get your feedback on the specific content Mm -hmm. that we've put out so far, but then also like, can you challenge or like refine that hypothesis at all to say like, well, no, actually, people don't need product help, or like, you you need to reframe this, or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I'm very open to like anything you might have there, but um, that's my long preamble into like, I'd love to hear what you think about what we're doing so far in terms of content.
1: Yes, lots of thoughts. Um, okay, so I think the first thing is having an angle is great. You gotta have you gotta have a shtick. You gotta have an angle. You gotta have. Um, A point of view. And so I think from like, from my perspective, like, my, my shtick, my angles, my point of views are all, you know, pretty clear, consistent, like, everything, every single thing that I say, online is true, but I don't say every single thing that I think, right. And that's part of like, the, there are times where I'm really, frustrated with customer service and i just want to go on twitter and moan about it and like Mm -hmm. that would be true to my personality but it's like i that's not really what i want to put out into the world and so Mm -hmm. i would never say anything that is untrue but also some things are true that i think and i'm just like that's really not worth sharing with people Mm -hmm. honestly it's not worth (laughs) thinking and so i'm gonna stop myself there so i think having like um a a point of view, a persona or something that like people know you for, or as is really, really helpful because then people start to associate you with that thing. And every time you reinforce it, they're like, yeah, that's the guy that knows product. Right. Mm -hmm. So angle is good. Um, you said when you walked into Laracon, you're like, I don't have anything, you know, to offer these people. I thought that was interesting because, um, you're looking at it on one vector, which is like, I don't have anything to offer these people in terms of how to write cleaner code or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but I think maybe Daniel picked up on this. The, you're, you weren't looking at it on enough vectors where it's like, hey, I know, I know enough about coding to talk to these people. Like, yes, I, yeah. I'm a developer. I can talk to these people. However, I also know about product. And mm. I think your read is correct in that most of the people in that room at Laracon and in the Laravel community in general are not product people. They're developers. Um, And so I think you have, you have an opportunity and this is the best part, honestly, because you're in the world, but you're not of the world. A little Bible reference there. You're in (laughs) the world, but you're not like, like you have a foot outside of the world. So where Mm -hmm. you can bring in this product and speak developer-y but with product content or speak product Mm -hmm. content to developers and i've found great success in that um with regards to speaking database to developers yeah right so i am a developer and i am not i'm not the best dba the best database admin (sighs) in the world i'm not even a dba at all so you got one up on me you're actually a product guy (laughs) but i know enough about databases and i know more about databases than many developers and so when i walk into a room of developers and talk about databases everybody thinks i'm a genius spoiler alert i'm not mm-hmm. like <laughs> put me in a different <laughs> room and i'm an idiot yeah. i feel that way at planet scale all the time everyone at planet scale knows five times as much about databases as i do and so i feel like i feel like a sixth grader sitting at the you know the big kids table but then I walk over to the developer's table and I'm like, hey, I have a sixth grade knowledge of databases. And they're like, oh, you're our king. And yeah. I'm like, this is <laughs> yeah. so weird, right? <laughs> right. But that's right. that's true in all. I feel like that's true in all crossover hits is mm-hmm. you know enough about the other world that you can translate it to the world that doesn't really know about it. Yeah. And so I think the angle is correct. You also have another angle, which is business owner. And I think mm-hmm. you could play that up somehow. You could bring that in somehow. And so to the actual content, here's, here's, my, here's my kind of thought and read on that. One thing that I think you have to be really careful of is not, um, is, is not translating. So you can walk into mm. a developer room and speak product and then may go over every single person's head. Mm-hmm. Right, because mm-hmm. you may come in and talk as if you're talking to a bunch of other product managers right and using terms and uh inside baseball references and parlance that like your crew of product people totally gets super yep. understands it, and you walk into a room full of developers and they're like, "Oh, this is simply a product guy, and I don't understand right. what he's saying right and so I think a big risk for you is not translating enough. I think your mm. superpower is going to be. Taking everything you know and repackaging it for an audience that doesn't know it, and the scary part about that is it looks uh, it looks juvenile to the product people from whence you came, right? But it looks right. advanced to the developers to whom you're speaking, right? Mm-hmm. So if a DBA, like if a proper DBA were to take my database course, they would look at me and be like, "This guy is." talking elementary like right right and that's a little bit scary for me to like be embarrassed and have these people think he's parading he's masquerading as a database yeah. guy but this stuff that he's talking about we learned in semester 1 of yeah. databases yeah but then the developers are like man i never have ever ever in my life thought about this or learned it or anything thank you for such advanced content mm. and that's that tension between do i want to look like a smart person or do I want to speak to this audience that I'm yeah. really trying to connect to yeah and so that would be i think that would be my my challenge to you is what is a way that you can take maybe 101 level stuff from the yeah. product management world and bring it over to pure developer pure backend, almost and have us start understanding what you already know is any yeah, of that resonating
0: it totally does that sparked like a bunch of thoughts for me um because yeah like on the one hand it's actually yeah the, the um refinement on the angle that i have that i think is like is really useful is that i'm not just writing product content because like that's been written ten thousand yes. times over and it's not like how do you or even the the path of like, oh, how does an engineer become a PM, which is a common path? It's like, I'm not writing that either. That's been written Correct. a thousand times. What I'm saying is like, hey, developer, um you're, one thing good developers are good at is like finding a new tool and putting it into their tool belt. Um, they do it all the time. They have to do it a thousand times over the course of their career. So my suggestion is this is one more tool. It's a really good one, actually it doesn't require a lot of technical knowledge, but it does require like discipline and asking hard mm-hmm. questions. Um, and if you put this tool in your tool belt, it's gonna be really stinking useful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a that's like kind of the refinement is like, I, I want the audience to really specific, I'm trying to write every post with like a really specific, like I'm talking to a developer who has never had a PM mm-hmm. um, to, to help them understand this. Um, I think the other thing that's really interesting about it is, um, I love the meme of like the belt mm-hmm. belt bell graph with like the, yeah. the, the Jedi on the one side. One thing that it, it's been, I've loved writing these. I've like, I'm like, I've written like a lot of posts now that are not released and not finished yet. But writing out like essentially like here's everything I know about product for a developer
1: mm-hmm.
0: has really clarified a lot of things in my head. And at the end of almost every post, I arrive at like the jedi at the end of the thing where i'm like actually the simplest dumbest thing is the way to do it mm-hmm. like i'm really interested in this idea so like it's interesting that you wh- i was thinking about this when you were mentioning like oh if a pm read this they might think it's like really simplistic and it's like i think that's true but i also think that, that it's right that it's like uh, the there's there's a, a lot of ways to over engineer your code there's a lot of other ways to over-engineer product processes to do like this crazy agile stuff to, um, you know, when you're doing metrics to measure a hundred complex things and it's like, nah, <laughs> like
1: yeah, you should know yes. how much
0: money you're making. You should know how much growth is happening. If you launch a new feature, you should know whether or not people are using it. But like, if you measure a hundred things, you're going to lose track of that really important stuff. Like do things in a lightweight way don't over-engineer it, don't introduce a bunch of burdensome processes. Like, so it's interesting because like the deeper I go into like, what do I really think about this product topic? I'm like, actually the simplest, dumbest version that takes an hour hour is far superior to the like sophisticated one that you need to hire someone for $200,000 a year to go do. Yes,
1: yes. And I think even that, like even that further refining there is maybe the best angle I've heard yet, which is like, it's almost like a product for the rest of us or, you know, 80, 20 product, the product, oh, the only parts of product you actually need. And I think mm-hmm. what would be interesting is, is like, um, almost framing it without using the word product, because is there a way to say, is there a way to teach these concepts without using that word that may potentially have baggage or meaning or something, but like what do, what do developers want to know? Um, Depends on who they are. If they are, you know, if they're the hacker, builder, maker, want to do my own thing. Well, they want to know how do I build something that people want to buy? Right. Mm -hmm. And do you have, do you, John have anything to say on how to figure out (laughs) how to build something that people want to buy. What do I? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so like they may, would they see, um, would they see like, uh, a post about, you know, how to do product management and click on it? Ah, uh, I don't know. Would they yeah. see a post that's like how to discover, you know, what people want to buy as a backend developer? It's like, wait, that is me. Like I would love to sell stuff. I'm a backend developer. Yeah. So, I wonder if even putting it in the frame of product management is like, yeah. oh, okay, this is like a big company thing. Mm-hmm. This is not something I have to worry about. And maybe, right. that, maybe that's the angle. It's like product management for solos or for small teams yeah. or product management for... People that don't have product managers. Yeah. Um. But like taking your big, I, I just, I view product management, maybe this is a fallacy. I view product management as like, oh, we've got a lot of people. We've got a lot of engineers. We need to start introducing like some some guidance and some direction and that sort of thing. Maybe that's wrong, but that's my point of view. It'd be interesting yeah. to see if that's other people's point of view. But yeah. taking that and being like, hey, you don't have a lot of engineers. You're under 10 people. You're yeah. under 20 people. You don't need a product manager but you need to think like one and yeah. here's how here's yeah. how you do it i love
0: that and i think that's right it's like it, uh, the way i always say it is like if everyone in the company if if all of the individual contributors were really really good at communication no one would need product managers the mm-hmm. problem is that communication it turns out is pretty hard um, mm-hmm. and and so like especially if you get up to like you know, hundreds of people, it's like, man, eh, you're probably going to need some product managers. Yeah. If you have less than that, if you have fewer than that. Um, you can, you can totally not have one. It's completely fine to not have one. The trick is like, everyone needs to get really serious about communication um, mm. and everyone needs to start asking harder questions. Um, and it's not sophisticated. I don't think like, it's not, there's a great old Steve Jobs quote where someone is like asking him about like, business like how is why is business so hard and he's like he's just like scoffs at it he's like business isn't hard like it's like everyone can like do business like understanding the concepts of like profit and like getting stuff in mm-hmm. front of people like he's like this doesn't take a genius he's like it's difficult like it's you, you like the the being disciplined and executing is really very difficult but like it's not intellectually complex like yeah Everyone could understand what my job is and what I do day to day as a product manager. It's just like communication is hard. Staying disciplined is hard, you know?
1: Okay, so let's, let's, let's bebop on that for a second. Is there something that you believe? This is always where you have to start. You can't, you can't write something I feel like clickbait is when you're writing something that you don't actually believe just to make people mad. And I am (laughs) morally and ethically and strategically opposed to that. But an interesting question is, is there something that you believe or that you could say that is um, attention grabbing like you don't need product management? Like, is that a headline that you could put your heart behind in terms of the content of the article? And maybe the content of the article is, you don't need product management if you're really serious about communication and you're very disciplined and you ask harder questions. Otherwise, eh, product management can serve a pretty good role. But like framing it, starting with the headline of you don't need product management is pretty, is is, um, not incendiary, but it's like it takes a point of view and it takes a stance and people are going to click on it because they super agree with it or click on it because they super disagree with it. Yeah, right. And then you can flesh out like, Hey, I'm I'm backing up the headline. You don't need it if you can do these things. Right. right. But if you can't, so you get to offer the nuance that I think is always yeah. important. Um but the headline is great and like Yeah. So if you could do something like that, well, maybe that works. Yeah, I like that cuz the, the first
0: one that I wrote originally the headline, the like the the way that I like framed it up in my head was basically like um It's not that you don't need it; it's that you're already doing it. And if you don't think you're doing it, you're probably doing it badly.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I wrote an article.
0: I wrote one along those lines. It's basically like, if you have a product, you're doing product. You're you're prioritizing. You have decided on who you're building for. You are like you are uh, deciding which tickets go in front of other tickets. You've like, which means that you're and you're selling to a particular segment. So like, you've made all the product decisions implicitly. But if you, if you haven't made them explicitly, Mm -hmm. I don't know how like rigorous or good of a job you did making those decisions. Um, and so that's kind of the, but when I first wrote that, Daniel was like, this sounds pretty negative. And -hmm. so I, I ended up writing something pretty different, but like, that's what I think is the real truth is that it's not that you don't need it. You might not need a product manager. You might not Mm -hmm. need like an expensive person to do it, but like everyone's doing it it's just a question of like whether you're doing it with intentionality and discipline or you're just kind of like
1: winging it. Yeah. That's interesting. That's an interesting, that's an interesting point of view. I guess one fundamental question is who are you trying to reach? Yeah. With this content? The angle that I think is the best is like what you talked about, like
0: solos, partners, uh, bootstrapped companies, basically all of our clients, um, their development teams are like Mm -hmm. a a handful of talented engineers who don't have a product manager. Um, Okay. And that I could imagine it's easy for me to imagine that for like a long time, that's most of our clients. Um, Mm -hmm. We can do work for, you know, a big company. It's no problem. We can do work for whomever. Um, But like, that's where we've seen the most value I think is like, like basically like, we come in as this almost like CTO and product manager mm-hmm, pair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so in terms of like, from a marketing perspective that I think is like pretty squarely in our, um, we're also working right now with a, with a solo founder. Um, so that's, I think who Thunk works best with. And so that's basically who I, when I am writing my, like the voice of my blogs is very much um I'm thinking about individuals who I know who are in that situation.
1: Okay, so let me let me zoom in on that for a second. I refuse to say double click. People start <laughs> have started saying let's double click on that. I, I will I will not say this. Let me zoom in on that. So that makes sense in terms of like who your ideal customer is. Um, even in that ideal customer profile, there are two parties, right? There are the three, four, five handful of very talented engineers, and there is the business owner. Potentially, who is um, who is guiding or maybe not guiding, but who is like the other side, right? So you have the engineers and you have the business owner. Who are you trying to reach? I feel like Daniel is trying to reach the engineers from like a bottom up perspective. Who are you trying to talk to?
0: That's interesting. And that's a very good question because. I think I have waffled between those two. Mm. And some of my some of my stuff is implicitly or explicitly to the developer. And some of it is to a, like a, an executive at a small company. Okay. So yeah,
1: that's interesting. That would interesting. be interesting to think about, I think. Yeah, pick a lane. Because or- if, yeah, if you decide that you're going to speak to the engineers, I think one of the benefits there is you have more of a unified voice as Thunk because you and Daniel are talking to the same people. um, And so you're growing, you're kind of growing your audiences together as one audience, but individually on your own Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever. If you decide you're going to speak to the business owner, Mm -hmm. I feel like that is also very interesting. You'd probably have great success doing that on LinkedIn. Truly, Mm -hmm. not a bit. Truly, you could actually do that on LinkedIn. Um, Your content would have to be a little bit, different right so you would have to pivot a little bit to talk about not like how does an engineer think about product management but like how does a non-technical or semi-technical leader lead a small team of highly talented engineers like that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff Mm -hmm. and maybe not lead in terms of like you know personal development but lead in terms of decide what they're gonna do or work with work with engineers when you're the one making all the product decisions. Like you had an idea, you business owner had an idea and now you've got three or four or five engineers. What do you do now? Like mm-hmm. your business is working, but suddenly you found yourself managing a software development team and you're not a software developer. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So it turns out it's kind of hard. It turns out it's very hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I don't know which one, like I have no idea which one is better. Yeah. They are different though. I think question, that's something though. you have to think about Yeah, And you know, I don't think you have to like, I don't know if you have to decide for sure. Maybe the content you put on LinkedIn is for the bosses and the content Mm -hmm. you put on Twitter is for the, you know, the developers. Um, But it's at least worth considering if it would be valuable to like hone in on one of them. I think that that makes a ton of sense. Um, I think if I were just instinctively to choose, it
0: would be the developer Um, Mm -hmm. because I think it's more interesting because the thing is like a, the CEO at a bootstrapped company kind of just like is a product manager in some ways. Mm-hmm. And so like they should maybe just be reading product management content. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Um, so that's interesting. The other thing that you said that uh, really stood out to me, cause it was like a sort of like dope sort of <laughs> moment was that uh, so like my greatest strength as a PM was doing customer interviews. I did them Mm. like constantly and I had good rapport with like a bunch of customers and would just like, I had them just on the phone all the time. And so I just sort of like picked stuff up like a sponge and then would like, you know, somebody would ask a question and I'm like, I now have an intuition about what our, you know, what they want and what, Mm -hmm. what the answer to this question is. And, um, so I'm a huge proponent of just like, go talk to people all the time and when you you said something like 15 minutes ago about like what like if you're just like a back-end engineer who doesn't confront these kinds of questions often like what sorts of things do you care about and i was like oh duh i need to go interview a bunch of these people <laughs> <laughs> it's like i have like some intuition about it which is how i've gotten to the posts that i have but like mm-hmm. uh I was like, I need to, I need to just like sit down for 20 minutes with like 25, 30 different people who I don't know yet. And just be like, what do you not know? You know, and like, how do you prioritize stuff? Why do you prioritize that? And and I think I will pick up a bunch of ideas from that.
1: Yeah. I think that's a great idea. That sounds like an infinite content glitch right there. So you just now have, you can now write forever and ever and ever. It's great. I love that. Yeah, um, I think you have. I think you have. I think you're in. A, I think you're well positioned. You're coming into a community that you you feel comfortable in, and you can speak to, but with sacred knowledge from the other world. You know, yeah. And yeah. it's just it's simply a matter of framing and packaging at this point, which you yeah. will find. You'll you'll iterate on. You'll talk to people and you'll find it. But to be so well positioned is is enviable. It's like coming into coming into um, a law firm as an accountant. And like lawyers right. are hysterically bad at spreadsheets. You ask them <laughs> to open a spreadsheet and they're like, I don't know how. And if yeah. you come in as an accountant who is also an attorney, you're like, you're gonna rule. Yeah. And I think you're in kind of a similar position where you're you're a part of this world, but you have all this sacred knowledge that we don't know anything about. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. If I if I get enough out there I'll
0: try to formulate it into a talk or something. Uh, yeah. I think that, that could be fun too. Cause I have, there's some like core theses in here that I'm like, mm-hmm. this could, this could be a good 20 minute talk.
1: Yes. Um, I think for you and for, for anyone listening, keep an eye out for any pieces of content that is, um, that is like thing X for audience Y. And so you'll yeah. see this pattern a whole lot. So like databases for developers mm-hmm. or honestly like accounting for attorneys. Like you'll see Excel for people that hate Excel. You'll see mm-hmm. that that like headline and that pattern everywhere. You'll mm-hmm. see like JavaScript for backend engineers or learn mm-hmm. React for Ruby devs. And it's that kind of crossover hit that I think is really powerful because then you immediately hone in on Yes, I am a Ruby developer. Yes, I'm looking to learn React. This is the content for me. Yeah. I am self selecting into this content. Yeah. And I think once you start seeing that pattern, you see it everywhere. And then you start to think about, huh, how can I how can I take two things or one thing I know and one group I'm a part of and put that together to be a unique combination that really no one else has. Did I love that. Did you reference that in your Laricon talk? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, that- I, I think I referenced that in I think I referenced that in the Laracon talk about it's either that or one of the upcoming screencasting videos basically talking about how like you have a unique viewpoint and you right. have a unique set of skills and there are people who like need your viewpoint. and It's going to click for them in a way that everything else hasn't before.
0: Yeah, I love that. I was very we talked about it a bunch in the thunk uh, slack we were all very inspired by your letter content oh, thanks um and i I heard it before I knew you um and yeah that was very that was a very fun time um the last I guess like quick question yeah. is like uh i I mentioned this as like an idea so I've been like pretty happy actually with the uh we've had on the blog so far like it's like Great. more than it's had a good response and like people have been pretty positive i I'm I want to make it like, I'm trying to think of ways to make it more accessible. And so one of the ideas we had initially was like, what if I made like a, a one minute redux version as a video in Twitter? Um, Mm -hmm. and it, the first one that we put out, like it was not that great, but like, it was interesting because it actually did worse than my other posts. Mm -hmm. And I had, I mean, so if you have any thoughts on how to do that better, that's interesting. But then also the other question I had was like, I had this idea And I can't tell if it's a stupid idea or not, which is like, I like listening more than I like reading.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: And I thought of like, what if there was a podcast feed with like three minute episodes and it's literally just, i read the blog post (laughs) and um, it's like, that's it. That's the whole podcast.
1: Love Love it. I think, um, I think that's a fantastic idea. I'm always super on board for taking stuff you've already done and trying to get more mileage out of it. So the hard part's done, right? You wrote the thing, writing the thing is the hard part, reading it out loud takes as long as it takes to read out loud. Um, yeah, I think, let's see. Um, I think short, sweet stuff like that could potentially do very well. Um, I think if you're going If you're going to do that, packaging it in a way that's like what, what I guess y'all call it the thunk blog, right? That's not going to work for a podcast. Yeah, no, that's probably an
0: opportunity to brand it as whatever product for developers. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, um, and I would say something like bites or quick hits Mm -hmm. or shorts or something like that, just to say like hey this is a very this is very short semi weekly bi weekly whatever those words mean um mm-hmm. occasional you know podcast about whatever product for developers or product for the rest of us something like that um yeah I think that could I think that could absolutely work and cool. in, in terms of like the video on Twitter, I could see you know I was the one that said you should do as much video as you can and I still stand by that, but I could see um I could see there's not a lot to there's not a lot to to look at in these videos right. right and so talking head only i could see being like people watch it and then are like oh this is just a talking head i'm going to stop and i could see that being like negative signs yeah um so perhaps perhaps quick hit audio is you know is the best thing for you and it's yeah. definitely worth a try especially if the cost in terms of like your personal investment yeah. is so low yeah Yeah. It'd be very easy to pump out, uh, pay someone a
0: hundred bucks for cool art and then uh, Mm -hmm. put it out. Yeah. I think that's, that sounds great. Um, yeah, it was funny. Like we were chatting about it. Daniel was like, oh man, I'm so bummed the video idea didn't work. And I had this like funny, weird confidence that I don't always have about stuff I'm working on where I was like, it's fine. Like I am so confident that this content is useful and valuable that like if this this one was a swing and a miss, like I don't care. Like it, this will find yep. somebody sometime. I'm so confident that it's like good advice.
1: Yep. And I think that gives you a lot of freedom and a lot of like personal empowerment to try different frames, right? Yeah. So at some point you're going to find a frame for the content that everyone finally like latches onto and you just got to iterate until you do. And I have tried so many different like styles of, video and threads and links in the top and links in the bottom and you just you just keep going um and eventually eventually you'll find it and the thing i'm on right now which is very interesting is like when making youtube videos you know how there's like real psychology and then there's pop psychology there's like malcolm gladwell and all the fun stuff yeah i i look at like creating courses as real education. Like we're going to sit and we're going to talk and we're going to talk about Mm. nuance and depth. And then I look at YouTube as pop education. It's like, Mm. Hey, this is going to be fun. We're going to skate over the surface of a bunch of stuff. We're going to leave a bunch of stuff unsaid. But the point here is like, you know, 50% entertainment, 50% education. And that's a different frame for knowledge that I'm used to, because I'm used to let's sit down and talk for three hours about this course and now mm-hmm. it's like you've got 12 minutes and it better be fun or yeah. people aren't gonna click. Yeah. And so just iterating until you find the right frame, I think, is a fun process. Um, and then once you do, it's even better because now you like now you're just running the system. Yeah, I love that. And that's how you make something that is uh clickable enough to get onto the primogen uh <laughs> exactly <laughs> feed. Yeah, yeah, that exactly. Was awesome. Like make it, you know, saying PHP doesn't suck anymore like yeah, it riles up a lot of people like sure people were mad that i suggested it ever sucked people were I mad that i suggested that it doesn't suck anymore meanwhile i'm just like hey i'm gonna show you all the cool things that have changed but yeah, yeah. finding that that right like frame to draw people in to actually get them to consume the thing is yeah. is no easy okay. task. did you did you fully appreciate as you wrote that video what a like mic drop it would be to tell everyone that they don't have very <laughs> many users. <laughs> yeah, I actually, um, that was one of the things that came out in post much better than I imagined it in my head. That's Cause I funny. was recording that and I said it and then I made the little face with the eyebrow yeah. raise and yeah. then I watched it back later and I was like, Oh dang, that's really funny. That was <laughs> really, right. that was really good. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. So that's I was very really funny. happy with how that turned out. I thought that was super yeah. funny. That's cool um
0: man that's really fun yeah it was great to see you get a um a shout out on there because i i love his channel too and um uh it was it was great to see worlds colliding
1: there yeah he's another one who's mastered whatever his you know frame is because he is potentially the smartest developer that like i've been close like in Mm. proximity to but his frame is not like Neck beard. Let's talk for one right. hour about the internals. His frame is very pop education, but sometimes it shows through, like how much of a genius he is, which makes it a really interesting angle. Yeah, right. Totally. So even in like the PHP video, he's comparing it to these ten other languages that I've never touched in my freaking life. <laughs> right. And right. so yeah, that's another one that's mastered. And some people hate it, by the way, the frame mm-hmm. that he puts on his content. But yeah, he, well, he's mastered it for his audience.
0: It's so great because like I. Again, like I'm, I'm not a genius, and I'm not a. I have not been programming for ten years, and like I find his stuff very approachable. Sometimes he's talking about things that I'm like, I need to search these terms a little bit, but like for the most part, I'm like, I hear what he's saying. He's he he seems very like open minded and reasonable. So it's and in my experience, really really smart people can speak in terms that everyone gets. Like people who like this i don't know like this this uh this actually comes back a little bit to the, like the jedi belt bell curve is just mm-hmm. like uh i've met some like in like the the first co-founder at this like the first startup that i worked with was uh like this like top of this class phd computer science guy from stanford and he was just like the gentlest like
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know like he, he i i was like sorry, I don't quite understand this like thing about parallelization. And he'd just like sit down really like, and not condescending at all, break it down for me in terms that I'd understand. And I was like, yeah, the people who obfuscate people who you intentionally like alienate, I feel like it's like, that's a defense mechanism for being like pretty smart, but like the really smart, smart people can kind of break right through that. It's, that's amazing.
1: Yeah. I think, I think a, a slight a slight disagreement there is. There are really really smart people who can do that, yeah, and true. <laughs> there are really really smart people who can't do that. That's true. And one one like um, I'm still trying to formulate it into a pithy saying is like the the there are sets of rules in the world that you really just you should um, either live by and like uh, understand what the rules are and exploit them to your own benefit. Or you can rage against the machine and just be mad at the rules all the time. Mm. And so what I think happens is some, some really, really smart people like look at, let's say the primogen or somebody who doesn't understand and they just rage and say, everyone should understand this. You're stupid. (laughs) If you don't understand this And then there are some really, really smart people that look at the rules and the rules are like, not everyone understands everything that you do. That is the system that you're living Mm -hmm. in. And some of those smart people say, okay, I recognize that that system is true. I wish it were different. However, because that is true, I am going to use persuasion Mm. and teaching To make, like to operate within that rule set, but still get the outcome that I want. And some people rage against the machine and they're like, this shouldn't be this way. And you're like, I'm sorry, man. It is this way. Yeah. Well, what do you want me to do? Yeah. And so I feel like there are some smart people that only ever are frustrated with reality. And there are some smart people that are smart enough to step outside and observe reality as it is and say, okay, because it is, because that is reality. What do I do in response to that? Mm. So something yeah. I'm trying to yeah. something I'm trying to formulate and turn into an article, but I think there are rules that's that, interesting. There are rules that exist that you can explore and exploit to your own benefit or you can just be frustrated all the time that the yeah. rules exist.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I think the other funny thing that I have to catch myself on that with is like, I'm like setting the standard for like, well, if you're really, really smart, you can explain things in terms that I can understand, like framing it all in terms of what I can understand. It's like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, if there was a super genius and he said something that I didn't understand, I'd be like, well, therefore, he was not a super genius. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, that's pretty short sighted. always comes back to me looking very good. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I do love, Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a. I smell a little bit of bullshit there. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep on searching again. Turn away. one. <laughs> that's a good one. Cool. All right. Well, thanks so much, Aaron. Uh, yeah. I know We're at time, but um, this is awesome, and I'm sure we'll we'll have you again uh, at some point when when Daniel's here. Um, All right. I love to be empaneled. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, and keep on reaching out with feedback. I will. See cool. you. Talk soon. We just have to wait until the music runs out. This is what happened last time. I thought the show was over and I kept on talking. uh, And then, uh, okay, that's it.